0: On this episode of Her Wild Outdoors, Jen Smith joins me, and Jen and I have been able to hang out a few times in person, and I just love her heart. And we're going to talk a little bit about how important the outdoors has been to her, but how it has kind of evolved over her life. But we are also going to talk about what is your purpose in social media, and do you need to have a purpose? So join in, listen in, and let us know what you think. All right, everybody, thanks for joining us for another episode of Her Wild (laughs) Outdoors. Um, Jen Smith is joining me from Texas, and Jen and I, actually, we have gotten to hang out twice now, and one was just kind of a hangout dinner kind of thing, but then I got to spend a whole weekend with you guys, um, and I just completely treasure and value that. So Jen, thank you for joining me today.
1: Thank you. I feel like I'm catching up with an old friend, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's just one of those situations where I wish we were neighbors. (laughs) And uh, I would, I would definitely borrow a cup of sugar and then some from you. I would be at your dinner table every (laughs) night begging.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I cook enough with leftovers. We could just meet for lunch the next day and have (laughs) the, the leftovers, but it would be a blast and I don't know. I just I feel very honored to have been around your dinner table and hanging out with your family and just being able to see a different side not a different side, because I don't feel like you portray something different on social media, but a side of you that not a whole lot of people get to see in that world. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm definitely humbled to have been a part of that.
1: Well, it was an honor to have you. I can't wait to return the favor and come crash to your house in Tennessee. It would be amazing. It is going to happen soon. We're uh, working on it that. Will. <laughs> it will. <laughs> well, tell
0: people I know about you, but tell people um, a little bit about your background um, and how the outdoors has kind of, I mean, it's a passion of yours. So just give us a little bit of insight on how it became that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, so yes, I live in Texas, um, but I don't call myself a Texan. I, I don't know if that's a, a good or a bad thing, but um, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually a West coast girl. So my family lives in California. They are farmers, several generation farmers um, in California. And I was raised in the Seattle area So as a young child, I, you know, we, my family moved, we lived in, in Seattle, inner city Seattle for several years. And then, um, when I was eight years old, we moved out to the country as people call it. Um, and I grew up in a very small town, uh, just a couple hundred kids in my school and we lived on a handful of acres and had every kind of animal under the sun. My mom was an animal lover. I grew up (laughs) obsessed with animals. Um, we had Horses and goats and chickens and ducks, too many ducks, um, just everything, right? Yeah. And I, my entire childhood is filled with memories of being outside, of climbing 40-foot pine trees and riding my horse from the moment the sun came up until it went down and just getting lost in the outdoors. Mm-hmm. And it really... Um, even now, at my age, <laughs> thirty something, I look back and think those were the days. Like mm-hmm. I, those first several years of my life growing up in in the woods, in the outdoors, it has everything to do with the person that I am now.
0: Yeah, I, I think that you know I grew up in a city, well, kind of a suburb. It was a little town, but it was filled with playing court and listening for your mom to whistle two streets away to come home at dark and, you know, the summertime being locked out in a water cooler, putting out, on the back porch and being like, don't come in. This is just go. We always had a dirt line on, um, on our legs from running through the mud or the dirt. And it, it creates, like you said, the person that you are today and Mm -hmm. it's something to value for sure. Absolutely. I think you and I, talked. we talked a little bit about that, that weekend about how you grew up. And how it was just like the indoors was just to sleep
1: when you weren't sleeping outside. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and it even is that way now. Um, but my, it's all sort of goes back to my mom's upbringing and, you know, her idea of what a childhood should look like. Mm -hmm. And she grew up, um, she was in 4-H and FFA and she raised cows, um, and sort of dabbled in horseback riding. But when I was, you know, a young kid, she kind of said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, buy me a pony. Like every girl does, Mm -hmm. right? I just, I just want a pony. I just want a horse. And so sure enough, I started taking riding lessons and um, I joined 4-H and that, that in itself is a huge part of yeah. my character molding. You know, if anyone has ever had exposure to any kind of youth organization, be it, you know, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, 4-H, FFA, you know, it's all about building a foundation of character. And yeah. then when you combine that with my love of horses, I was just in heaven. <laughs> um, and that, that consumed me. I mm-hmm. mean, that was definitely a huge part of, um, you know, my my daily routine all the way through high school and even college to the point where I pursued a degree in animal science just because of my love for the agriculture industry, the outdoor industry, all of that. It
0: makes sense to uh, like all three of my nieces who are in their 20s now uh, grew up in 4-H. They grew up uh, not just raising animals, but learning the process of where the food comes from and, and -hmm. that whole, um, yes, you can have pets, but there are, there are differences between raising animals to be a pet and raising animals to be, um, sustenance, right. And, uh, taking pride in, what they were doing along the way. Um, mm-hmm. I think 4-H was a huge part of who they have become today, but it has been, even though our kids haven't been in 4-H, they have uh, had, they've been a part of what my nieces have done. And, of course, my kids now are involved with archery and they're involved with being in the outdoors and hunting <laughs> and that kind of thing, but... um 4-H was a huge part of our, of me growing up with friends and supporting them and what they were doing, even though my family was not that kind of family. um, I was so jealous of those who were. (laughs) (laughs) So jealous. Um, But yeah, I can see that. I can see now knowing you, how that has influenced each step of putting you to where you are today. Mm Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, I was, as a child, I was fiercely independent, you know, like I <laughs> turned me loose and I'd be gone all day and not have any concern about being alone all day. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't need to be social. I didn't need to go play with friends and, um, even, showing horses competitively is a solo sport, right? It was me and my horse. And, um, and so being part of a community like that, it was really important for me to learn how to interact with other people and and rely on other people and let them rely on me. And even to this day, I still kind of struggle sometimes with, like I could easily pack all my stuff and head for the mountains and probably not look back. Yeah. <laughs> were, it, were it not for my family and my roots here in Texas. Um, and someday that may happen. It <laughs> might. It might.
0: It's uh it's something that I have realized, I think since having kids, that I value my alone time a lot more and I need it more. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. that. I don't know. In the past couple of years, it's kind of wavered on if I'm an extrovert or an introvert. And I think I'm definitely an extrovert, but I uh, I recover as an introvert, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, of course. Yeah. I think that it's important as a mom <laughs> when you are solely depended on uh, for certain things, it's that that downtime by yourself is very important.
1: Yeah. And, and it's the downtime and the quiet and the connection. And I think everybody who is part of the outdoor community says this, but it's not because it's cliche. It's because it's true. Right. Is that the connection in nature and being solo in Mm -hmm. nature is unmatched. There's really no other thing that you can find in the world that gives you the same kind of experience that you get from being
0: alone out in the wilderness. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because I did want to specify when I say downtime alone, I don't mean like resting or taking a nap that could be it and i might need that or a hot bath or something like that but i'm i'm definitely along the same lines of you i can go outside by myself and be refueled um, with even hard labor it can it can fill me back up in order to give back to people
1: I mean, cleaning horse stalls is a proven method of therapy, I promise. <laughs> and that is true. I have done that. It is um, it is
0: not easy for sure. I definitely burned a whole lot of calories that day in the cold, cleaning out all the way to the bottom of a, of a barn, a horse barn. And yeah. um, it definitely is good for character development. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. So you went straight from being at home to uh, to earning your degree. And
1: then where did you go from there? Um, so we had a little bit of a shift at that point in my life. Um, so I kind of left off. I was raised in the Seattle area, kind of out in the mountains. Mm -hmm. My parents, it was back in the software technology boom. And my dad owned a software company and he sold to a company in San Antonio. Mm -hmm. So when I was 16, between my sophomore and junior years of high school, my family moved us from Washington state to San Antonio, Texas Whoa. Um, and rocked my world. Yeah, like, it did. <laughs> <laughs> pivotal point um, in my life. And so you can picture little quiet me who likes to climb trees and live in the woods is now living in the suburbs of San Antonio. My horse is who's been in my backyard. My whole life is now boarded at a facility an hour away from where I live. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to school with kids that Come from a completely different background from me, and I've I've never really felt so outside and alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, that those couple of years trying to kind of regain my confidence and figure out who I was, especially as a sixteen-year-old, right? Right. It's confusing enough in a normal situation. Oh yeah. Um, but that was really a pivotal time in my life, and I would say between the ages of sixteen to about twenty-five. I really kind of lost sight of my roots mm-hmm. and I i never gave up the horses and I continued to ride and show, but my country life as I knew it was gone. Mm. Um, and so I, I focused on school, finished my degree, all of that. Somehow I still studied agriculture. So I don't think I ever really lost it, but um, the core of me kind of got buried mm-hmm. and it wasn't until I, you know, sort of started my late 20s, adult life, you know, that, that next phase of your life that yes. comes in you near your thirties. And there's that other sort of pivotal shift that happens. It, it's almost like on this 10 year cycle, right? Right. So I agree. I'm, yeah. Mm-hmm. In my late twenties, I was sort of at this point where it was like, I, I had built a, an amazing career. I had a really fast paced career. I was traveling all over the world. Um, I'd finished a master's degree had a baby two months prior to graduating. Life was hectic Mm -hmm. to put it mildly. Um, and I just kept feeling this nagging sense of go home, go home. And I couldn't really figure out what it was. Um, and so in my thirties, like early thirties, I had racked up so many airline miles, um, <laughs> and I had put in so many hours at work and, you know, I just, I was like, I need a break. Mm-hmm. And so I pulled up the American airlines website and I looked at my mileage and I was like, I, I can go anywhere. Um, and so I picked it, I picked up this map and it had little indicators of all the places that they flew where I could use my miles. And this is back when it was much easier to travel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I literally closed my eyes and just picked a spot with my cursor on the computer and it landed on Durango, Colorado of all places. Um, I mean, I could have gone to Hawaii. I could uh-huh. have gone to you know, Belize or whatever. I could have sat on a beach, but Durango is what came forward. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to Colorado. And so I packed a bag. I had never been there before. I'd never been to Colorado Um, I packed my suitcase, did some research. I'm like, I don't even know what the weather's like, (laughs) um, (laughs) grabbed a pair of hiking boots from REI. I'm literally like, I felt like I was starting from scratch. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just got on a plane and that was it. No reservations, no hotel. I, I didn't, I, I had a car rental, but that was it. I just flew to Durango. Um, and I got off the plane And the Durango airport is, is super cute. It's like a little lodge. It looks like a log cabin and you walk in and instantly I was like, Oh my gosh, I, this is it. This Mm -hmm. is what I was supposed to have done with my time here. Um, And I spent the next five days just bouncing around the San Juan mountains in Southern Colorado. And I would sleep in my car or I would, you know, backpack and sleep in a tent somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just got lost for five days, but I was the least lost I've ever been
0: in my life. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes pure sense. And I I like how you said, you know, our our decades of change um, resonates with me just because I don't think I ever settled on anything until I became a parent. And that's something that there's no question about when you become a parent. You you can't, like, step back from that. That's something that you do – not necessarily connect to because I don't think everybody connects to parenting, but it is a responsibility that you then take on. And Mm -hmm. I loved being a mom and I still love being a mom, but it wasn't until my early thirties that it was almost like I had to do a self check kind of like Mm -hmm. you were talking about, like where, what is my purpose? What, um, what are my core values? Who are my real friends? If we're getting down, to some of the nitty gritty, um, yeah. who do I need to step back from? Where are my boundaries for my own mental health and emotional health? And I think that was my pivotal moment of, uh, I don't know, it was, I, I lost a lot of friends. My, my circle got smaller but I felt better. And so mm-hmm. it was this weird feeling of, like you said, I kind of felt lost in not knowing where I was going, but I felt better about being lost than where I had been.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if I were to describe that in a in a word or a pair of words, it's a perspective shift, mm-hmm. right? The things that used to matter to me at one point in my life in that period of time didn't really matter anymore, and the yeah. more I pursued that, the more that became clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think perspective is just such a funny thing because it means something different to everybody. Right?
0: You can't. You can't define perspective in a broad sense, it is 100% individual uh, for each person. And that I think I like that even more because you can't argue (laughs) against my perspective. I can't Mm -hmm. argue against your perspective. It is what it is. And um, we can definitely celebrate. We don't have to agree with it, but there's no arguing against it. Exactly. Yeah. So, what did you do after Colorado? How did you shift uh, <laughs> your your daily life from yeah. that experience?
1: I mean, so first of all, I came home and spent way too much money on backpacking gear. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm all in on this. Like the things that I saw, I was like, I got to get back out there cause there's so much to explore. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I had a lot of um, reward dividends at REI that year, Yeah, um, <laughs> but it, it really did just sort of start the snowball. I, I started to kind of st- take a step back from work and I was mm-hmm. like, well, I, I achieved some of the things I wanted to do. I got this other degree. I was." Mom to a one year old at the time now. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's always been a highlight of my life and always will be. Obviously, you can't describe what a child does to you. Oh, yeah. But I think she, I could actually credit her a lot with that sort of perspective shift, too, right? Mm -hmm. This new little person comes in, and now the things that mattered before a career, a job title, my fancy car, my big house none of it really mattered because this kid changed everything about how I viewed the world. Mm-hmm. Um so it, it's kind of in an essence her fault. <laughs> in the best way. <laughs> in the best um, way. Yeah. And I can't wait to tell her that when she's old enough to understand and to thank mm-hmm. her for what she's done for me. Yeah. Um but yeah it was go grab backpacking gear gear. And I just I spent that whole summer every chance I got getting out into the wilderness and Mm -hmm. backpacking solo. Definitely. I didn't know anybody, um, who was into it, especially in Texas. It's just backpacking is not a culture here because there's no mountains. Um, and so I just, I kind of immersed myself independently. Mm -hmm. Um, I was also going through a divorce at the time and sort of a tumultuous personal life. So, the outdoors, I wouldn't call it my escape. I would call it my haven. You yeah. know, it's, it's the place I went to, to heal and yeah. to get back to the core of who I really was and who I wanted to become more importantly. Because mm-hmm. when you go through something like a divorce, there's so much uncertainty about the future. <clears throat> who am I going to be? What's going to happen to me? How am I going to survive this? Um, and going out into the mountains alone Being able to talk to myself, being able to pray, you know, just having that, that time to reflect really helped me kind of find the hope in the future Mm -hmm. and feel really positive about where my life is headed. Isn't it crazy how,
0: I mean, nature is always changing. It's always throwing something at you that's different. You always have to be prepared to be flexible and change with it. Yet it was probably at the time and still is for me in, in certain moments, um, a solid foundation to kind of back up against, yeah. um, it, even though it's, it's something that I have to be wary of change and be careful of change within it. I can always depend <laughs> on that happening. And so being able to fall back into that, um, and be backed up by it and be able to find, the quiet in order to be still and listen. um, I, that I, I, I get that a hundred percent.
1: I love that. Mm -hmm. And there's something so simplistic, right? About, I was listening to your conversation the other day with Lindsay and just talking about how when you're out in nature and your only focus becomes survival, Mm -hmm. you wake up in the morning and it's feed myself, get to where I'm going, make sure I have a place to sleep and just be here. Mm -hmm. And that's really it. Your, your 20, 20 item list comes down to four or five things. It's amazing.
0: And it's such a good feeling.
1: Yeah. It's that perspective again, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is. I think she, Lindsay was the one that said, you know, it, you get to control the decisions that you're making. You get to write your own story in that moment. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. as, as changeable as it can be, there's still a sense of, I have, like, I can write this story. I can change it up. Yes, it's not going to be easy, but I get to do this. And when you look back on it and you get to see how that story changed over each adventure, um, there is a sense of pride with it, I think. I think there's a good sense of pride, not the negative side of it, but a good sense of pride because you get to see even over such a small time as maybe even three days, you get to see how you changed over that um, and how you have grown and how how you can now apply that to future things, whether it's just in day-to-day life or your next adventure, which could be your day-to-day life. Absolutely. What a perfect way to describe it. I, I it is growing up in a larger family, we depended on camping and and doing that in order to see the eastern side of the United States. We couldn't afford hotel rooms, we couldn't afford flights, we can't so everything was driving and camping. I remember driving from the west side of Tennessee all the way to DC and we would camp along the way. So we would hit like the Appalachian trail and just camp along the, whether it was public parks or um, whatever it was, we would just camp all the way up. We did that going to Florida. We did that going, we just, that was how we were able to financially afford to have an adventure. And I think people think all the time, and it's like that in the hunting world I have to spend so much money, or I have to buy all this gear, or I have to. And honestly, you get trapped in that sometimes to where if you can't afford it, then you can't do it. Mm -hmm. And growing up, we did the bare minimum in equipment to be safe and to be sheltered. But we were able to do all of these things. And I don't remember a day being bored ever. And I think that that's kind of how how I want my kids to grow. And it's like what you said, your kids kind of change that mindset and that purpose sometimes to something better because you want to slow it down. You want to make it to where they don't have to be entertained. They can entertain themselves with just little things. And that's like, I want my childhood, which was really just affordability to be their childhood.
1: Yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's so challenging now as a parent, because I look at my kids and think they're growing up in a world where comparison is constantly at the forefront of their experience. Yes. Everything they do is, is somebody else better than me? Is somebody else getting more Mm -hmm. than me? And social media doesn't help if you look at it that way. Yeah. Um, And so it's even more important, I think now to be able to help them and help ourselves, right. Even, Mm -hmm. even as adults have our own individual experiences and not worry so much about the comparison of, am I better? And I'm, I'm so competitive. So it's, I have to remind myself sometimes that, you know, as silly as it sounds, my best is my best. And Mm -hmm. I don't have to do what everybody else is doing. And I am an individual and I am uniquely qualified to be me. right? that's part of what you're describing here is if your childhood being able to grow up and go camping differs from someone else who grew up in an RV with, you know, all the fancy latest stuff and satellite TV, Mm -hmm. who really got the experience out of Mm -hmm. those two, you know? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And there's, it's not like we're not sitting here judging one way or another it is what did you get out of it that's right. the that's right. the basis of it that's um how did you how did you walk away from those circumstances did you take away everything that you could have or did you rely on something else to entertain you mm-hmm. um and I think that's just, like you said, comparison is the death of us. Whereas encouragement and support and lifting each other up, that's how, that's how we move forward. And yeah. it's important to do that, that it kind of goes kind of into how you got started hunting was that support, that encouragement. And I kind of want to hear a little, I want others to hear a little bit about how that started.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's- I'm like, I'm smiling so big right now because I, I know you love are. talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> I love talking about it. Um, mm-hmm. And and my story is kind of similar to yours. I didn't start until way later in life. Mm-hmm. If you're comparing to those people who grew up hunting with their dad, my dad was a, a software engineer and, you know, we just, we didn't do outdoor things and nobody hunted where I was from. Right. Um, I wasn't even exposed to it like literally just didn't know a thing about it. Mm -hmm. Um, moving to Texas, I, I had kind of heard it here and there just by way of association with different people that I encountered, but it wasn't until I met my husband, Mike, that I really got a a real immersion and a real taste for it. In fact, I will never forget the first summer we met in the spring of 16. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember kind of, we were casually dating and I'm backpacking and doing my thing. Um, And then the summer starts to end and he's like, we got to talk. And he sits (laughs) me down and he's like, I like you a lot. We're having a great time. And we had been mountain climbing. One of our first trips, we went and climbed a a big 14er in Colorado. That was like Mm -hmm. one of the big things we did together. And he's like, we've been having a great time, but I have to tell you, dear season is coming. (laughs) <laughs> and it was like he was like letting me down. <laughs> I like, are we? I mean, what do you, what do you, so like, what do you want me to say? I'm not sure how to respond. Uh-huh. Um, and he just, he was like, I'm just giving you fair warning. I'm, I'm going to be deer hunting all winter. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, can I come too? And mm-hmm. it was kind of like this profound moment of he was like, well, yeah. I mean, do you want to? And so, sure enough, like, it's it's right in there with my my background, sitting in the woods, watching the sun come up. Yeah. I couldn't think of a better way to hang out with my significant other. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went and bought me camo and I spent that first season just sitting with him in the blind every weekend. Um and at that point, you know, I had no expectations. And I just fell in love all over again with mm-hmm being in nature, seeing it from a different point of view that I'd Mm -hmm. never experienced before, um, being able to witness these animals who had no clue we were there and see them just completely unaware. It was the coolest feeling. Yeah. Um, So we spent a couple seasons like that. And then, um, well, year before last, I guess it was, I... Went to him and I was like, I'm ready, you know, like (laughs) tell tell me what to do, but I'm Mm -hmm. ready. I want to do this too. I want to be a part of it. And so we bought me my first rifle and I, you know, that was it. I went and we went hunting that first season. I shot my first buck a couple weeks into the season in mid-November. And I it was just it was so thrilling. It was so incredible. Mm -hmm. Um and that wasn't, you know, hunting was definitely not something I ever pictured myself doing, not because I had any problem with it, but because it is so hard to do on your own. And had I not had the mentorship of, especially my husband, you know, being able to see me and all my flaws and teach me everything. And, you know, it was, I was so Mm -hmm. vulnerable with it. Um, It it was really, really cool. And it just, it, it kind of just, that was the end of it. I fell in love. And (laughs) ever since I I caught the bug that everybody else catches and, and I, I just love everything about it. Um, and then it was, well, thank you for taking me deer hunting, but now I want to go fly fishing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and he had, he had dabbled in fly fishing most of his life and, and definitely knew his way around a river. So that became the next thing. And I'll tell you for all of my passion around hunting, Fly fishing is my jam. Like that is my the thing that I took. And um hunting will always be something I do with Mike, but fly fishing while we do it together, I also kind of do it solo a lot too. Mm-hmm. Um and that's you know, I'll credit him with introducing me to it, but it's been really, you ran with really, it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's been yeah. really empowering for it to become, you know, my hobby. So yeah. So that was one of my
0: questions was, okay, hunting or fishing, which one is your favorite? (laughs) And it's hard to choose sometimes, but there's that sense of independence is it usually for me throws me one way or another. And it's just the ability to claim it as my own,
1: right? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I have a very good friend that I met through Instagram, which I never thought would happen. Um, But just like you, he and I kind of clicked and he's become a a best friend of our family. Mike and I are friends with him and his wife and they come stay with us in Texas and we stay with them in Colorado. So Mm -hmm. um, another one of those beautiful blessings that comes from social media. But Mm -hmm. um, he told me one time, he took us fishing in Colorado and kind of his home waters. And he was like, you have to look at fly fishing as another form of big game hunting. So stop going out there trying to catch fish, go out there and try and hunt that Mm -hmm. fish that you're looking for. Look for signs, look for tracks per se, um, you know, learn how to read the environment, learn how to trick them into not knowing you're there. And as soon as he said that to me, it totally shifted the way I fished and it clicked for me. And that Mm -hmm. was definitely a turning point. And so now I almost view fly fishing as a form of hunting, if you yeah. will. Yeah. No, that makes
0: sense. There, it, People say it all the time. You know, there's hunting and it's not killing. It's called hunting because you don't mm-hmm. actually get something each time. It, in fact, it's very rare if you're going out as much as we, I know that you do as well, but as much as you go out, If you got something every single time you went out, then it's, there's no draw to it. And I think fishing, sometimes, depending, because sometimes you can find a perfect spot where you're just reeling them in, right? Um, But for the most part, it's, it is hunting for that spot. And so Mm -hmm. I can see exactly what you're saying with that and how it becomes a part of putting a puzzle together and, Mm -hmm. and being, um, Like a detective out there trying to look for the clues of where to be and how to find it. And that's pretty cool. I've never thought of it that way. And it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. I think I have – we have a buddy who fishes here in town. And he takes us sometimes. And I'm like, how did you – like how do you figure out where these things are and it's because he's been fishing those those parts of the river for i don't know how many years his whole life and so he just gets it he knows how to look like what it's supposed to look like what um you know what time of day where they are but i'm not experienced in that so i go and i'm like hey we're we're catching all these fish and i don't see the hard work <laughs> that he has put into it um versus me just coming along for the for the ride.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's it's funny because I, I mean I've been humbled way more times than I've hit hot spots and, mm-hmm. and just crushed it. Yeah. <laughs> kind of rare actually. Um but that's the thing. Like I love the The logic and the mental challenge that comes with putting it all together. And Mm -hmm. there's the entomology component. You have to figure out what kind of bugs they're feeding on. And, you know, then there's the habitat and the way the water moves and the air pressure and the sky. And it's all the same elements as going out and wondering where the deer are and, Mm -hmm. you know, if the moon is right and if the sun is shining and where the wind is. And it's kind of all the same concept. But the the part that I'm so drawn to with hunting and fishing is absolutely that puzzle, Mm -hmm. putting it all together and, and making all the parts fit. And then that sense of accomplishment when you actually pull it off. Yeah. Yep. And I think that there are
0: parts to both of it where you can anticipate what's going to come next when you have practiced for so many times, but honestly, it's complete it's changing all of the time so it's always exciting Mm -hmm. it's always um and there's the anticipation isn't in something that you know is going to come it's the anticipation of the hope of what's to come
1: yes yeah it's funny you say that because I had an experience a little while ago where I went on a guaranteed hunt which is really common in Texas right um and there's a time and place for every single type of hunting and I won't I won't sway one way or another, um, but people just have preferences. Yeah. Yeah. And so I went on a guaranteed hunt and I knew what I was doing. Like I knew what I was signing up for and I knew what to expect. And that was kind of, the downside of it was I knew what to expect, mm-hmm. and I didn't quite realize till I was in the moment that I was like, "Man, I'm just I don't feel the same way as I feel when I walk into the woods and I'm just faced with total unknowns." Right. Um, and it was it was interesting just the way it felt to me and the way I've I was perceiving it internally. Mm-hmm. And I still had a great time, and I had yeah. a fun experience. Got you know great meat and a good trophy and all of that stuff. But my experience was drastically different because mm-hmm. I knew exactly what was gonna happen.
0: Yeah. And it does change what your what your purpose is. If you're meat mm-hmm. hunting then yes. and, and you want to spend your money on filling your freezer, there's a purpose in that. There's exactly um, but if you're trying to fill um a lasting thrill that is going to keep going, whether you get something or not. Uh, then uh, that's not for you. You've got to search for right, it somewhere else, right? right. Yeah. yeah.
1: Or, or do both, you know? Mm-hmm. Like there's a time and a place. I got there is. Uh, in a situation last season where I I got, like, I, I'm not gonna have meat in my freezer. Mm-hmm. What am I gonna do? Um, and I went meat hunting, you know? It's not like, it's not what I had spent my whole season pursuing. And then my perspective shifted again, right? Yeah. I was running out of time. And the important thing for me at that point was, not to fulfill my own desire to to be pursuing the animal I wanted, but to fill my freezer and to provide meals for the next year. Right. Um. And so that perspective shift came and the last two weeks of the season turned into meat hunting. And mm-hmm. you have to be able to adapt that way. Right. If you really want to get fulfillment out of the whole hunting experience as a
0: provider. Right. Right. Because that is different. I would say like my husband would love would love to be able to look at the wall. And we do, we have uh, bucks on the wall that we get to look at and say, that was a really cool book. But honestly, unless there was something bigger than that, that comes across his path, he's meat hunting. Mm -hmm. Uh, He wants to fill the freezer. He, he wants to be able to donate. He, there are these goals along the way. His goal this year wasn't necessarily a big deer. It was, um, I want to – he wanted to get a muzzleloader um, harvest, and he wanted to um, – what was the other one? He had a couple of other ones. Some he met and some he did – oh, a public land deer. Um, there were just – our goals were different this year. My goal was to get my daughter on a deer um, mm-hmm. and to have a, a a gun hunt that came to fruition because I had never had – Um. I had never taken a deer with a gun. And so there were all of these, we just had different goals this year and it wasn't a big, huge buck goal. It was other kinds of goals. And I think that that's, that's another one of the great things about hunting and fishing is that you can set different levels of goals in a season and meet a few of them if you do that, instead of just having one goal of this huge trophy something, it can you can set multiple little goals along the way, and then you find success along the way. And that one little goal might be, you know, sit in a stand longer than you ever have or – hunt from the ground or spot and stalk, that might not mean that you get a deer, but it might mean that you have an experience with one in doing it. So I think that it's important to be able to have those goals as well as other kinds of
1: goals. I love that. And I love the idea of Never knowing it all and mm-hmm. always having endless possibilities. Yes, There's, you are never going to check every single box in the hunting and fishing world. Mm-mm. You'll never fish every river. You'll Mm-mm. never hunt every species. You'll never run out of ways to do it. So till the day we die, we can we keep trying constantly. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. I mean, I'll I will try. I will try like that. But <laughs> I, I'll never, I'll never be done. And mm-hmm. I actually really love that.
0: Yeah. No, I agree, I agree. And I think that um, that can filter into everyday life, that can filter into hiking, that can filter into camping, that can filter Mm -hmm. in anything in the outdoors, especially you have that ability to be able to set those little goals along with the big ones. And I think that people are short-sighted sometimes, and that's when you get complacent or you get bored with what you're doing because you're not meeting that big, huge goal. And if you set the little ones along with the big one and you're moving, then you're constantly seeing a positive shift forward versus feeling stagnant. Exactly. Yeah. Oof. That is so important to be able to see not just the big picture, but the little. And I think – was it Mike that posted about that a couple of days ago? Was the detail somebody posted yes, about that? It was Mike. Did. Um, and that the mushrooms really was in the parking lot. Yes. And <laughs> it it stuck with me because that was what we did this year. It were it was slowing down um our hunting goals. It was not dumbing them down, it was changing our perspective in it. Uh-huh. And um I think that when you have the ability to do that, it it really opens up your ability to enjoy it more. And Mm -hmm. and I love that. I love that part. Now, we talked a little bit about I'm shifting us just a little. We have talked a little bit together personally about social media responsibility. Um, we've kind of talked about purpose. Is it okay for us to just be on Instagram documenting our life and enjoying it? Or do we have to have some kind of purpose or inspiration or, or push, um, that is singular and, You and I sat and talked about this in Texas because you were saying, well, I just don't know what my purpose is right this minute. (laughs) And I want to talk a little bit about that feeling that you have. But I also kind of want to give you that encouragement that I, I don't think I think that puts you into a box sometimes Um, if you haven't found a purpose, if you just pick one versus find it, I think it puts you into a box. So tell me a little bit about just that feeling of, okay, here I am. I'm on here. I have followers. Is there a responsibility that you feel to find that purpose?
1: Yeah. I mean, and yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm an achiever by nature, right? Mm -hmm. That's sort of my personality. So I'm one of those people that I have a vision Mm -hmm. and I can see it clear as day and I'm going to go make it happen. And to not have that vision is a struggle (laughs) for me. (laughs) I think it's, it's certainly a lesson in patience. Mm -hmm. And, um, I can't claim to have always been the most patient person when it comes to my achievements, but, um, it's certainly a season I'm in right now of learning how to be patient and yeah. to kind of back to the, the small things, like mm-hmm. appreciate every little day and every every post and every interaction I have with people instead of trying to worry about growth or popularity or making sure I get you know a certain number of hits on my reels or whatever right. it is. Um, and I think that brings me back to that my Instagram page, it, it's not out there to try and be a growth platform. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I, I don't have it in me <laughs> yeah, um, to pursue it as a, as a professional thing right mm-hmm. now. That's yeah. not to say it wouldn't change, but it's almost become a diary of sorts. yeah. Um, and for somebody who's super private like me, to be able to put myself and my thoughts, sometimes I get really deep on posts and sometimes I just post a little funny thing, but to be able to put my thoughts and my emotions out there on display is a huge personal growth step for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I do get something out of that. And of course I love sharing my life, but I think the feedback I get most from people is the authenticity of of what I'm sharing. And that is the huge compliment that I look for when Mm -hmm. I'm doing something like that is, Man, everything that we see on your Instagram page when you come visit the farm, most people we end up with a lot of people that come through here. I don't yeah. know, it's probably Mike's, you know, Mike's nature to welcome people into our home. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'll go with it. Um, we we've had a lot of people come visit us here and you know, they're passing through Texas or whatever. And everyone says, Man, this is exactly what I thought it would be. And I'm mm-hmm. like, that's perfect. And if I can be authentic, if I can be honest and truthful and, um, you know, just real with what I share. And if that message reaches one person in my community and that person says, I get that. And Mm -hmm. that makes sense to me, or I hadn't thought of it that way, or that's something I've always wanted to do. And now I feel like I can, or even reaches out to me personally. And we start a friendship, right? I think that the quality over quantity is completely appropriate for me in this stage of my life, in this phase of my social media platform. Yeah. It's, it's really all about that quality and building a personal community is, is not something I ever thought I'd be capable of doing. And here you are. <laughs> and here
0: we are. <laughs> I think that that goes into, I think that the craving right now that the world has is shifting. I think that <laughs> you can, you notice it on platforms that are calling out fake people. I think you see it um, in day to day life. I think that you see the world as big as it can be. I think the craving has kind of. Come back into a small community of sorts that desire you see people leaving big cities to come into smaller towns, you see Mm -hmm. um, the desire for relationship not just on a surface level, but the relationship to be on a deeper level. And I think that that's all within us. If we take our faith into it, that's what we are born for, um, is a deeper relationship, not the surface stuff. But I think that you are starting to notice a trend in social media for the desire for authenticity. I know that's what I look for. And I know that you're starting to to have people – Lean into that a little bit more and notice mm-hmm. people that aren't authentic, who aren't being truthful. And you notice the people who are just posting ads versus telling a story. And I yeah. think that we, yeah. I think that on the inside, deep down inside, we crave that. And so it doesn't surprise me that that would grow, but it's an organic growth, right? It's not just a. Like, I don't want 10,000 people to follow me just because of my name. I want, you know, one person to follow me because um, we are like-minded or we can support each other and encourage each other or develop a friendship. Um, it's more about the conversations versus the likes. I would in a in I – I don't think that there would ever be a day – go by, that I don't appreciate the conversations that I have. And that, that means so much more to me than any number, um, is just getting closer and supporting each other in a real authentic, organic way.
1: Exactly. And I think that's, I mean, you and I forming the friendship we have is proof of that, right? I, at some point in our lives, we will slow down, right? Mm -hmm. We'll be, we'll be in our 50s or 60s and so we'll just live on probably, a commune
0: with a river somewhere
1: uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and instagram and social media will be an afterthought mm-hmm. and but i promise there are people that i've met through this community that i will still talk to right. 20 30 40 years from now yes. and that i will meet on a river somewhere and share lunch with Mm -hmm. as we go fishing or we'll go hunting together. I mean, this is, I see it sort of as a means to an end Mm -hmm. with the end not being my popularity or my social status, but the end being those people and those experiences and conversations and friendships that I can take on with me to the next phase. Cause you know what? I'm coming up on that next 10 year mark. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm about to shift again. Right. I'm about to change my perspective one more time as I near my forties. Um, and, and I want to take those people with me and I want to be a part of that, that community.
0: I can tell you the forties have been the best. If I can be honest, I'm (laughs) excited. I, this has been my first year in my forties and I was really excited about it. I've talked to, to friends my age who turned 40 and they're like, I don't know. I've hit all my goals. You know, I've, I've had the kids I've had, like, they've hit all of these milestones that they had to a point, but they haven't continued setting goals. And so they get to 40 and they're like, now what? Mm -hmm. And so I really, truly believe that in your 20s, you're building hopefully for your 30s. And in your 30s, you're building and putting goals ahead of you that you can reach in your 40s. And so Mm -hmm. I think that it's just a constant build so that you are looking forward to things always. So I'm building right now the things that I'm going to grow into in my 50s and and so on and so forth, I don't ever want to stop. I don't want to be the person that sits in the lazy boy in front of the television for hours and hours on end. I want to (laughs) die outside doing something that I love. And and I'm not going to do that if I get stagnant now and stop setting those goals. And- and so even if they're little bitty, like we were talking about earlier, it's still that positive move forward so that you're constantly excited about it. Um, but no, I can tell you the 40s have been the best in my one year that I've been in them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll take your one year of experience because okay. it sounds great. Good. <laughs> I don't know.
0: I think there's a sense of confidence that comes um, kind of mid and thirties that you, that you find. And I think that you can blossom into that and grow and you kind of throw away um, your desire to be approved by everybody Mm -hmm. and you just enjoy who you are becoming, whether it's in the outdoors or in your community or in your faith or whatever it is you are you are constantly growing in it and celebrating that versus constantly needing approval, which is where I was in my 20s. Yeah.
1: It is exhausting. Exactly. <laughs> and you know what's funny about that is as you start to to turn to that way of thinking, mm-hmm. you then become more of a giver than a taker. Yes. Because – when you're looking for approval, you're taking from people you're constantly seeking and you're constantly pulling away from someone else and saying, give me, give me, I want attention. I want approval. I want validation. Yeah. But when you stop doing that, you start giving to other people and Mm -hmm. you start offering things like love and Mm -hmm. compassion and insight and wisdom. And I I tell you what, like I would rather be a taker and be a community full of takers around me. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I'm only going to grow from those people. Like the things I have learned from everyone, you know, I've learned something from every person I've interacted with and that's just contributing to me as a whole too. Yeah, no, it's true. There
0: definitely has to be a balance, but I mean, going back to, do you have to have a purpose on the internet if you have... You know, people, whether it's one or tens of thousands or a million followers, you have a responsibility to that person, to just one person. You have the responsibility of showing your real self, the good, Mm -hmm. the bad, the ugly, I mean... I'm not talking privacy. I'm not talking, you know, getting down to all of the details of who you are and where you live and your kids' names and all of that. I'm talking about living fully and not faking it. And from that point, I I don't know. I think that that is your purpose in this moment is to be authentic, to be real, and to be learning how to be that person, So, yeah, there's always purpose in things. It just doesn't necessarily have to be I'm making money on it, or I'm right, right. I'm projecting different products or I'm as a social media influencer, if we will, in quotations, it's more about being authentic and true and communicating and honestly being a teacher at whatever level you are, um, and passing it on. I think that that yeah. is the ultimate yeah. purpose that I find myself in. And I think that it can be as little or as much as you want it to be.
1: Yeah. I posted something a few months ago. It was a picture of my daughter and I sitting on the front porch steps at our house. Mm-hmm. And, um, when I posted it, I was like, I'll just put a little yellow heart on there and call it done. And then I kind of stopped and I was, I was thinking, okay, I have something to say. And what I ended up quoting that photo with was sometimes leaders don't always have to stand behind a podium Mm -hmm. or something to that effect. Yeah, And what I meant by it was you can be a leader without having to have a giant stage and platform and you can reach five people with a deep rooting message that can change their life, or you can reach 5,000 people with something they'll forget next week. Right. And it's not to say that big platforms don't, have monumental messages and change lives too. But there's, again, a time and purpose for everything and there's all different ways to do it. So Yeah, and there's a
0: responsibility in it. Um, Yeah, yeah. I think that, you know, self-censoring ourselves, which was a podcast that I heard off of, I've talked about this podcast now twice. Um, (laughs) I I think that self-censoring ourselves... Isn't necessarily holding back. It's just being responsible for what you are putting out there, um, mm-hmm. and claiming that responsibility in it, and finding um, finding pride in what you're putting out there. Not just putting it out there to be another post for the day. Um, but yeah, I, I I think that every single purpose person has a purpose. For being on Instagram or being on Facebook or being on the internet or YouTube, I think everybody has a purpose in it. You just have to figure out what is driving that purpose. Um, Right. And that's where you find authenticity. That's where you find honesty and truthfulness um, to who that person is and I don't know, I've enjoyed finding people like you and your husband and um, and other people that their their reasoning behind that purpose is similar to mine.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: it just goes back to your heart. It just goes back to your heart, and I appreciate your heart and uh, and everything that comes with it. So thank you for being honest and putting yourself out there as difficult as it can be pushing yourself there. Um, I appreciate the time that you put into it and, and the truthfulness that you, that I read out of you, but also know out of you.
1: And thank you. I mean, that's, I, I hate to say me too, but <laughs> that's, that's the, that's the beauty of it. Right. Mm-hmm. I I see so much of what I, want to be and what I am in people like you and Mm -hmm. so I appreciate all of the the things that I've learned from you the things that I've you know aspired to be through people like us yeah um it's it's really I do have this feeling of gratitude for Mm. this little community that we are a part of and for the recognition of others who are like us It's, it's pretty cool
0: I agree. I agree. Okay. Well, we are going
1: to plan. I know
0: we've got to do something. I think we're going to plan something for June. I think we're going to, we're going to figure something out, but you're going to get over here to Tennessee. And, um, honestly, I'd love to take you out East,
1: yeah, count Um, me in, and I will show up with an extra fly rod. I happen to have a few. You'll have to teach um, me from ground zero. So (laughs) I will will take you with me. (laughs) That sounds perfect.
0: We've talked about we're going to talk about we're going to do that, and then turkey hunting. So we're going to, oh yes, yes, we're going to figure that out. But Jen, thank you for your time today, and um, and for your heart, truly, thank you. Thank you so much.